Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Hey, welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. Today we're taking a little bit of a step to the side and uh, you see Sean and I on. We don't get on often together, but uh, we thought since uh, we're starting out the new year, we're going to do a couple episodes and just talk to you. Just sit back and say, what have we seen We've been doing this for a couple of years now. I think we're in the eighth year running of New Cyber Frontier as we turn into 2023. Um, and uh, we want to take this show and this segment and look at, you know, what do we think is uh, some future items look like? And what do we see coming down the pipe? Sean, thanks for joining me today in the show. Hey, yeah, no problem, Chris. Uh, it's great. You know, we usually do this once a, once a year. You and I get together and we usually have some uh, compelling topic or compelling, to, at least to us, hopefully to our listeners. So uh, it's great to be back starting out a new year. Uh, happy New Year 2023. Yeah, definitely. Everybody out there, Happy New Year. Hope you had a great holiday season. Uh, it's unusual. Actually, we're going to be running this one the same week we record it. As you've seen, a lot of our recordings get some uh get some time between when we record and when they go out. But um, this one, it is actually New Year's and we're going to be running this in just a couple days. So voila, we're on right on, right on track here. <laughs> can't be more current than that. It can't be more current. So current things, um, looking at, uh, and talk about the future. What, and I, I know Sean, that, that you have a lot of things you're looking at in the future. Um, some future proofing, future planning. We're doing so as well. Um, well I'll let you start and uh, just kind of give a, give us a highlight of what we're going to talk about. We're going to do the same segment. We'll take a break in about uh, uh, two minutes and uh, then we'll be back on. But give us an idea of the direction that, that we're going to just chat you and I here today. Yeah, you know, there are so many topics we could talk about and, and there's so much going on. And, and both of you and I, we get together every once in a while just you know, have, have those conversations. So privacy uh, is starting to become a global uh, issue. So we're starting to see some, um, some context associated with future regarding privacy, a global perspective on um, an individual actually having the copyright uh, and ownership rights to their privacy, their privacy information. Um, that, that's one topic um, that, that's super hot. I, I think one of the ones that um, that we're seeing as well with now it's been almost a year since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and we're starting to see all of the cyber issues associated with warfare. And, and I'm not talking about cyber warfare, but using technology in such a way that is either positive or negative, uh, depending on which side you're on. And, and I'm not advocating for either side. I'm just saying technology has been an issue for both sides in, 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 in the war going on for about a, this conflict for about a year now. We were seeing uh, more use of drones uh, and, and being very targeted and in collecting information, intelligence, and, and 
providing uh, information to be able to, you know, go into certain areas and be very, um, uh, very precision in, in attacks and gaining information. We're also seeing uh, soldiers using their mobile devices, which is uh, leaking information that the enemy is using against them. So, I mean, it's, it's some of those t- pieces of technology. And one of the things we were talking about earlier, um, I belong to a, an international association called the Internet Society. And the Internet Society has a, several different goals and objectives, one of which, you know, 50% of the world is still not connected uh, via the Internet. And so one of the goals that we have through various chapters of the Internet Society is to provide an extension out to uh, underprivileged or under economic, uh, socioeconomic challenged uh, um, communities. Uh, they could be indigenous. They could be uh, based on uh, a poor country um, or, you know, could be within an urban area. People just can't afford it. So there's another initiative uh, looking forward one to 200 years into the future of what the internet's going to look like. Um, you know, we've got um, Galaxy, you've got Elon Musk and some of the others that are, are looking at going to the moon. Uh, the U.S. and the uh, and European Union are going to the moon. We're looking at going to Mars. And there's going to be an extension of the internet. And um, we did our annual end, end of year review uh, back in November. And one of our chapters is the interplanetary uh, chapter of the Internet Society and their presentation outlined and, and showed a specific architecture for the solar system Internet. Um, the solar system, the SSI, and that architecture is real. And they're, they're showing the proposed architecture on the moon, the proposed architecture on Mars and 150 years into the future, what that's going to look like as we continue to explore space. So I think one of the hot topics right now is, you know, we talk about Internet, but we're planning the Internet out 150 to 200 years into the future. And we have a known architecture on how we're going to do that. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute, and I'll round off some things that go along with that that we'll be hearing and talking about in this uh, segment, this segment, maybe another one we come afterwards. Be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Dr. Murray and myself, Christopher Gorog, uh, and we're just kind of rapping. And uh, we don't do this that often. We usually bring a guest on, usually don't hear much from us. Today and next, we're going to do a couple of segments we're going to hear from us. We've been around now for eight years running on New Cyber Frontier. We've listened to a lot of you talk. We've talked to a lot of you. We get many more things, feedbacks coming in, in between the shows and what we should be covering. And so a lot of these things, we might not be able to get a, somebody that will cover exactly, but we can definitely start picking up ourselves and... uh 
one of the things we'll be doing over the next year is having more of these where you'll just hear kind of from, from us as experts where things are going. So Sean was given a direction before that we went on break uh, about you know, what we might talk about here. And uh, as he is working on the Internet of Future, uh, I have been widely working and most of you might have seen some posting for me on digital privacy. And as he said, that sovereign identity, that individual control of your data and how a future of the Internet that we might scale alongside or within the space Internet. Um, that that has that capability future technology where we now have privacy and security built in by design uh that that we'll talk about we'll bounce back and forth on that but kind of back to you sean uh direction on your you know where, where do you want to which one do you want to talk about first well i think it would be prudent to to start out with uh with the privacy and the technology that's being developed uh, because the, it actually is relational. So if we take a look at privacy laws in more mature uh, areas of the globe, such as GDPR in, in Europe, um, your IP address, um, specifically attributable to you as an individual, is considered to be privacy information or data. You know, if we go 100, 150 years in the future and we're looking at a solar uh, system internet, um, how are we write, routing that traffic? And in, in the Internet Society has come up with a baseline architecture to try and replace outdated protocols like the Border Gateway Protocol with a PKI-like you know, infrastructure, which then provides attribution, trust, certificate. You know, you're working in the blockchain, um, that sovereign identity and having uh, the credibility to be able to trace back with credibility uh, to an individual's privacy is very important. And, and you're in that area. So we're seeing it on our side for routable internet. We're also seeing it on your side with digital identities and uh, assertion of things like credentials associated with individuals that are going to provide um, a, a better means to be, uh, be able to identify with credibility individuals, right? Yeah. So, so when we look at the privacy, you said we're both deep into what does this look like? Because, you know, the internet wasn't designed with privacy in mind or security. It was designed for openness and everybody having access to everything. And that was a thought back then. The whole, you know, and I, I loved when you started off and saying, okay, how will the internet be used? It's used on two different sides of the war. Depending on what you what side you're on depends on whether that's good or bad. And that the the quote, I think it's a, a Bruce Schneier quote, says technology, all technology is morally agnostic. So it's always going to be on both sides. And with the initial thought of the internet for openness, we didn't think, or we'll say the early founders didn't think of the other side it would be used for. But now we kind of have to do that, and we have a train in motion. You know, how do you paint a train that's moving on railroad tracks? It's very difficult. You might be able to do one piece at a time. And that's been kind of what we've seen for, for a lot of years is we're trying to paint a boxcar at a time or take a swipe at it as it's moving. What can we do? Um, and, uh, you know, I think what you're talking about, what we're doing also with digital privacy is almost taking a step to the side and saying, if we start looking at what the replacement looks like, Instead of trying to paint the train in motion, we'll make a new train that's going to be much smaller, it's going to be much more compact, and it's only going to have a set, a small set of the functionality you want originally. But it's something that we can build off of 
that has those pieces built in. Yeah, in in it, what it takes is it takes a community to raise a child. Back to your point, one car at a time is not efficient. Um, coming up with a new, more efficient um, method to be able to uh, take the technology, deploy it in such a manager manage, uh, in such a manner that it provides credibility um, and is trustworthy, without taking you know eighteen months, two years, three years, five years, because by the time you're doing that, your technology is outdated or it doesn't you know match. Um, what other people are using for technology, but an international consortium of collaboration is what's needed to make sure that whatever we are developing is going to be accepted by the general populace. If we don't, then you're going to have the same challenges we've had back at, when you go back 20, 30 years on technology, Nortel, uh, Novell Networks. And, and I mean, those. if you make something that is too unique um, and it's not compatible, it's not going to be accepted. It's not going to work. And, you know, it, it needs to be more collaborative. Yeah. You know, the, the balance between collaborative and I, I see this because I, I, I kind of work in both ends, um, collaborative and too much input. Um, you know, you say, okay, we want to get the best of everything. So let's get everybody we can involved. Then you get 10,000 people all with a different opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, in two different, I think, you know, I work in two different areas where digital privacy that I work with with IEEE is open and we get contributors from all over the world. Um, and it's looking at, you know, privacy from the term of what does that mean to society? So, you know, from the top down, there's some things that are just missing that we haven't thought about or we haven't thought a big enough picture about because we've implemented privacy or for my data object or from my company or for my application, but we didn't think about it in terms of what does that do across everybody using it from all over the world in different walks of life. So that big picture, but then we look at, you know, the small picture, we can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. So we have to kind of take a swipe at something that is manageable. And a lot of people know that I, I work in blockchain, I kind of have that advertised, but it's taken a different tone than that is it's not really blockchain as it is, the cryptography behind what blockchain pioneered. Um, we, most of us are aware that blockchain is just cryptography and just trust chaining. And if you look back at trust and the chain of trust, and you say, if it's not really directly called blockchains, not a cryptocurrency, what can we do to use those principles in security to make a design that trust chains using cryptography are our data and makes a capability for everybody to have that. And that's kind of that balance we're looking at with, you know, working in the background at R&D and designing those things with even a smaller set of people that are, are vetted and industry experts looking at it independently. But then taking the input from those wide communities and, you know, eventually, brought, you know, bringing the two together. And that's, I think, the power of almost something that we've been working on in the background for several years that's now coming forefront and these two things coming together and i know you have efforts like that as well pulling things together um in the background we, we're going to take a break here but give it give us 30 seconds on your thoughts on the too much versus focused 
Absolutely. I mean, take a look at Linux operating system. For that's a great example. Linus, you know, created a kernel that you could build off of and make it better. Wireshark is another example. Somebody comes up with a great idea and then leaves it to the community to make it better. You know, and so that investment in time and technology isn't costing an exorbitant amount of time. But back to your point is you need to have. Uh, a consortium of people that are going to bring those best efforts together to create whatever that initiative is, it's going to be generally accepted. If you don't, then, you know, like you said, you're never going to get anything accomplished. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. We'll be right back here from our sponsors. Be right back in a minute. BlockFrame technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, we're talking kind of Dr. Murray and myself, a little bit of an internal jargon, but uh, bringing you you know, what we've learned, what we're seeing from talking with people, uh, you know, all around the world, uh, our experts, what are they all saying? What are they, what are they contrasting on? And today, you know, today we're talking about the future. So, you know, before the break, we talked about that contrast of, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen versus, hey, we need to have the widest group of ideas coming into the next generation. So just kind of, Building off that, uh, tell us about your experience in that area, Sean. Well, so, um, you know, I'll go right back to the International uh, Internet Society and the various chapters. And then there's chapters that are focused specifically on various aspects of to achieve some of the goals that the association wants to achieve. And so if you want to participate, you choose which one of those areas that interests you the most that, that you think you, that you can contribute or uh, collectively, you know, through your networks, uh, you know, reaching out to others uh, to be able to contribute in those areas. And then you get to see the ideas. Um, there's a, a resource center where you can look in and, and see what people are developing, see what people are working on to include labs, um, you know, technology uh, advancements, uh, pressing the envelope on certain types of technology, using them in such ways that we haven't thought of before. Back to your point on blockchain, right? So original, uh, the, the original thought on blockchain was predominantly focused on cryptocurrency. Now we're pressing the envelope on that and looking for other advantages to be able to, with a trust model and a level of assurance, be able to provide it for credibility for people's identities, credentials. Uh, and, and we're actually seeing that. We're demonstrating that. I know you've got initiatives with various states and, and, and governments, and, and you're demonstrating that now. That's just an example of 
how we're pushing the envelope on technology to make it more useful than what it was originally uh, meant for. You look at uh, deregulation of telco back during the Reagan administration. We had the AT&Ts and the Ma Bells, right? So once Reagan deregulized that and turned it out to uh, commercial industry to make things better, look where we're at today. And it's the same thing that uh, during the Obama administration, we, we, we deregulized space. And now look at what uh, the advancements we've made in space in just a short 10 years. Give me an update. The space, even though that's a, a, you know, looming, a lot of people talking about it. I know there's a lot of buzz about that in Colorado Springs uh, and the areas where you work in. Um, tell us about, you know, the direction there, what, what success you've seen there, what, what, what development you've seen in the last year. So there's a couple of things. I mean, the advancements in technology are great. One of the things that concerns me is the lack of focus on security or information security or cybersecurity. Um, here in Colorado Springs, every year we have the annual space uh, symposium. And last year was the 34th. And um, I went and attended and I walked around the entire trade show. And you've got all the big dogs there. You've got Northrop and Boeing and Harris and Teledyne Brown. And then you've got um, other countries that are being represented for their space programs. And there's a common theme that I, I, I try and do, and, and I walk to each one of the vendors, and you're either talking to somebody, um, I, I call it either the booth babe, the gorgeous lady that's standing there that probably doesn't know anything, but hey, they'll take your information, get you off to somebody else that if you want to have a conversation, or it's the business development folks. And I asked every single booth, it's like, hey, how are you integrating information cybersecurity into your space projects and those things that you're doing globally? Nobody had an answer or they, they would shuffle around it. Um, the, I got over to the Australian. So Australia had their own uh, booth and they had several different companies. And there was actually a space cybersecurity company that has partnered with national, the Australian national space um, industry to be able to provide capabilities and just you screw up cybersecurity in space. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no going back. You're dead. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about life support systems and, and, and all kinds of other things that need to ensure that if you're, you know, connecting to the solar system internet or whatever that mechanism is, uh, it's secure and it's, it, it's, you know, it's resilient. Right. So, so thinking about that, I mean, we've traditionally had this problem in cybersecurity where the functionality comes first. We talk about the internet being developed, and then let's think about security after. Let's look at the positive use case. Let's look at the use case that gives us the capability. Let's look at connecting the universe or the, the galaxy with, with, and then we'll talk about security after we get it connected. Um, what, you know, it seems like that's, we chasing our tail on that for my whole career. Um, what, and you just said the same thing. I actually kind of almost see that during, you know, the pandemic we had, it almost took a, a little bit of a backseat again, and we almost went backwards. Uh, and that's it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Where I see the cybersecurity industry, and I could do a whole show on this one, and I, we might, we might have to talk about this at some point on the trends that we've had over time, and we've gone entirely backwards at least three times that I've seen in my career where cybersecurity became such a negative thing that we quit talking about. It. And the biggest example, there's two of them, but one of the biggest ones is during, right after the Snowden uh, debacle, we'll just say that Edward Snowden re released that, the information, 
everybody didn't want to talk about cybersecurity because it's political invasion of privacy. We get, you know, we're stopping invading uh, rights. Who's doing cybersecurity or are you doing something malicious? And the whole industry went through a glut. And then we come into 2016, there's not enough people in the industry and we're in catch up mode. Uh, and then we're, you know, I hope we're not going back and forth into that cycle again. But what, what do we need? What's let's let's talk you and I, somebody listening that says, you know, we need to do this. Here's what you need to spend money on. Where, where are you at, Sean? Well, so number one, in, in it's been the same for years and it's culture. Um, those who are leading organizations, I don't care if it's the CEO of the company, the other executive suite, or if you're a program manager on a half a billion dollar contract, you need to make sure that you understand what the risks are in business terms, right? Because cybersecurity, if we didn't have bad people, we wouldn't have the issue. We wouldn't even have this industry, right? But the problem is, is we have adversaries. They could be state actors, they could be lone wolves, or they could be, um, you know, organized crime. The idea is there's different motivations for these actors to do what they do. And if we didn't have that, of course, we wouldn't have the issue, but we do. And they're getting more complex. They're getting more complicated, um, no more complex. And they do security really, really well, most of them. I mean, we've seen some examples after the pipeline hack, um, the FBI was able to recover about 30% of what was stolen because the adversaries didn't know how to protect what they stole. Um, but it's culture. Um, making sure that leadership understands that information security, cybersecurity, the risks associated with your approach, depending on what it is you're trying to protect, needs to be protected. And at what level, and it needs to be um, the accountability, not the responsibility, but the accountability, the highest level uh, within that organization. That way, if something does happen, you were the person that had the say-so to be able to say yay or nay, and you accepted that risk. What about, um, you know, like you're developing things for 100 years from now? How much money and who should be paying to support that? Yeah, that's a good question. So if you've got, if you're an organization that is very well, um, good cash flow and you have a good R and D budget, then that's great. Um, and the products that you release are going to be the financial compensation that you're looking for. Um, how are you better than your peers in your industry, whatever those products may be. Um, but with the focus on privacy, the focus on we're going into outer space, and we know now that those systems need to be super resilient. Uh, they need to be resilient. Talk about BCDR for technical life support systems. Um, you know, everything from temperature to humidity to gravity. What are the effects on the human body? How do we monitor things? You know, people are going to, uh, uh, people today have uh, a mixed feelings on, you know, technology being injected into your body to monitor health systems. But if you're going into outer space, that may be a necessity uh, to be able to, you know, identify things that are happening. Hey, your O2 levels are down. And I notice it for the entire crew. Why is that? And so, you know, there's going to be, but, you know, then there's the privacy aspect of it. So there, there's so much um, to consider. And, and it's great, you know, after a conference, I go out and speak at a lot of conferences just like you do. And, you know, afterwards you're having a conversation at the bar or, you know, at breakfast and, and these conversations come up and, and people, they're real concerns. And we just, we've got to be able to have a unified approach on how we're going to address those. 
and culture is a big one of big aspect of it. Yeah, it's um, are the you know you said about the the Australian research in cybersecurity. Um, you hear all kinds of say SBIRs and grant funding and stuff in the United States for with cybersecurity titles. Um, what advice would you give of, you know, if I have, or if I'm from a national level and I'm supporting and the, the advancement in cybersecurity, where do I put my money? Cause I think that's a big problem with the people making the decision and you watch you know, the people who are evaluating where to spend money and you see their re- re- comments and results of what they spend on. And it's, it's different than what myself as an expert would pick. But their, you know, their, their thoughts are more what's feasible to so often maybe even political or, or the, the relation to something I already know you know, what advice do you give them? You're, you're, you're evaluating cybersecurity. How do I know to spend my money on, on, on a carpetbagger or something valuable? Yeah, so uh, most products and services are going to focus on what provides value for my organization or my product over my peers to whoever the consumer is. And one of the things that we look at today when we're talking to our clients is, um, you know, we all, we've always said cybersecurity is the cost of doing business. Well, you know, you can actually leverage that in a marketing strategy to say, hey, everything we've engineered, yeah, it does all these great things, but we've also engineered uh, security into the solution. SecDevOps, DevSecOps, whatever you want to call it. And being able to demonstrate that as a strategy and provide, hey, look under the hood, um, you know, look at the resilience we put into it, look at the capabilities it provides, and we had a strategy of security in there. So if I'm an investor, capital investor, I'm going to be looking for those things that are unique, they're providing um, usefulness, but at the same time, the organization has on purpose developed a strategy to demonstrate a level of security based on who the consumer is and what that product needs to do. Yeah, definitely. So kind of kind of running toward the end of time here, but I think you you hit on a key subject that I want to bring up and we'll have, you know, let's have another show on this of um, how do you design and use cybersecurity privacy to further stand out from your competitors? How do you use that? Because I think that is you hit that right on the nail on the head as the next trend. If you're a company, you're anybody listening with a product, with a service, your next product should say, I do these cybersecurity, I do these privacy things better than my competitors. This is why you should buy me. Let's uh, give us a wrap, but anything in closing here? And we'll talk about that here on another show. Yeah, I reflect back on a, a friend and colleague. Uh, I think we both know Jim Heidman with the Telexicom, and he is a services uh, provider of, of communications, telecommunications capabilities. And when I'm trying to solve a problem for a client, like I've got a credit collections company, they need to be SOC 2, they need to be HIPAA, they need, because they collect it, they need to be uh, compliance with FDIC requirements. And so I, I tell him, I need a pipe to go from this new uh, facility that they just acquisitioned back to the parent company, and it needs to have all of these uh, certifications. To be able to have a product that meets those and is in a, a, a global or a public registry that has been demonstrated and proven by a reputable body, 
I think is what we're looking for. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining today and uh, check back for more of these series of Sean, myself, and we may bring Tim in to talk about some, our third host. Um, but thanks for joining today on New Cyber Frontier. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.